Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 166, where in a moment we look at the Chancellor's autumn statement and what it might mean for you. That's in just a sec, as I say, but please bear in mind if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time we chatted investment and pension charges. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts, and that way you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find out previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellison, standing in for Phil. On this occasion is his colleague, Andrew Schooler. Hi, Andrew. Hi, John. Thanks for having me along today. Okay, so the uh, the Chancellor's autumn statement, a couple of times in the year when all eyes are on Jeremy Hunt, where he delivers a speech, the good parts of which have been leaked to the press days in advance, then does the new slots on every show available later that day and breakfast the following morning before finally, I think, morphing to an entirely different dimension altogether until he's required again around six months later. You never, ever see him in between those times. It's uncanny. Uh, the headlines from this one. Uh, let's have a look. We back British business, said Mr. Hunt. Our plan for the British economy is working, but that the work is not done. He then, like every chancellor before and after him, commended his work to the House. You read or hear these things, Andrew, and it all sounds fairly positive. I mean, is it? how do you define a good budget in general terms, broad strokes? Yeah, I, I would probably say, you know, my feeling on this uh, budget is reasonably positive. There has been quite a few negative budgets in the past, purely because there's been huge bills to pay, you know, uh, post-COVID, etc., that side of things, financial crises, etc. So, you know, the way I look on it is, is there more positives here for clients or for, for general public than negatives? And I would say, yeah, absolutely. Seems to have a very positive overtone to the budget. We'll see what filters through into next April, and I'm sure there'll be some tweaks here and there because we're coming into an election year. So, yeah, um, overall, yeah, I would say quite positive. The Chancellor started with the good news, referring to the latest figures published by the OBR, the Office for Budget Responsibility. How did those go down? Yeah, they, they seem to go down quite well. You know, there was a reduction in the uh, forecast for how the economy is going to grow. Not massive reduction, but still speaking about economic growth, which is always a positive. There's also speaking about reducing um, spending in the next couple of years within the view to increase spending or borrowing for the government in further years, whether he will be the person who's doing that spending or not remains to be seen. It all depends on what happens in the uh, in the elections next year. On business in total, he brought to the table 110 measures. Now, I'm not going to ask you to name them all in alphabetical order or from memory, but I will ask you to delve into sort of headline grabbers and what they actually mean in real terms. Yeah, you know, the, there were a lot of amendments that came in. Probably the, the ones that people are really looking at most are the ones that are really going to affect the, the, the uh, Joe Bloggs in the streets. National insurance, taxation, big things, increases to state pension, increases to benefits, 
There were a couple of other things, you know, that are, you know, just need to keep an eye on. And that's how benefits are going to be assessed going forward and the trying to get people back into work. There were quite a few good tax breaks for businesses that are reinvesting within their business effectively. Um, that looked quite good. But again, it's going to have an impact initially to the businesses, but then hopefully we will then see that turn over more uh, jobs, as in create more jobs, which then uh, means there's more tax being paid, which then means there's more money coming into the coffers. So, so yeah, a, a, a lot of good things to take away from the budget, I would say. Mm, the the one you're talking about there, sort of to keep an eye on about how they assess in terms of disabilities and things like that. That's the sort of labour-leaning newspapers the following day were saying, you know, it's a terrible budget because he's going to yeah. put people that are disabled into work that, that can't that, that can't be there. I think there was something like a, is it you have to uh, go to work after a certain period of time and, and try for a certain number of hours per week. It, it's a little bit demeaning if you are registered disabled, but I suppose at this point, if you're having to, you know, re-register for your PIP or whatever every three years. It's it's nothing yeah. new. The, the the way I read into it, as long as there is engagement between the two parties, so the claimant and the, the benefit payer, you should be okay. I am there is basically if you are able to work, they want you to work. But with a proviso is if you don't engage for a set period of time, then they're going to withdraw your payments. Right. You know, I, I think you know the, the takeaway is the engagement is the key thing. Okay, so it's a li- it's a little bit like let's say you're slightly behind on your tax, not millions, but you know a little bit behind your tax, provided you're paying them a certain amount per month, or you're you're saying I'm going to try and pay you a certain amount per month. They're not going to come around and start selling off your possessions. No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think it's you know uh, the, the the thing is they they need to ensure that they're paying benefits to the correct people, and you know the people who are entitled and deserve benefits will still always receive that from what I can read. Mm. And as long as as long as there's engagement between the two parties, that shouldn't change. But you know, I I think. It's very easy to write. It's difficult to police, isn't it? I mean, when it when it comes to, to, to sort of practical rollout, there's always going to be. It wouldn't matter who is in, in in power. There will always be an example, at least you know one person, who the press will pounce on and say, "You got this one wrong," and th- that's just Absolutely. always going to happen. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to personal taxation, wages, and pensions. There was, as you mentioned, quite a bit of national insurance, for example, and the national living wage. Take us through those points of that again, if you can, what it means for Joe Bloggs in real terms. Yeah, you know, the, the the main rate, so basically the headline was we're cutting national insurance um, rates. So the main rate that an employee will pay will go down from 12% to 10% as of January. There is also the uh, scrapping of the um, class two national insurance for self-employed people as well. Um, you know, it, it will have an impact and um, depending on how much you earn, depends on what um, benefit that's going to be to you, can range from 300 to 800 pounds, if I remember correctly. So, you know, the, the, there is a, a benefit there. There is a 
slight issue as well. And not many newspaper, newspapers or headlines have really picked up on this. Um, there's there's a lot of inflationary increases to wages, cut taxes, you know, cut national insurance. But the amount that you can earn before you start paying tax has not gone up. So mm. as wages go up in line with inflation, uh, benefits go up, etc. Benefits being state pension, there's more tax being clawed back from that. So it's a kind of we're going to give you with one hand, with one hand and take away with the other hand. <laughs> so you know, and uh. if this was to be an absolutely fantastic budget, everything should have gone up in line with inflation as well, and the the amount you can earn before you pay tax should have gone up as well so yeah. you know there, there's always these wee stealthy taxes kind of and and, it, and it's just looking between the lines and he was me looking at the national insurance thing and thinking well you know up to 800 pounds per, it's per year isn't it so that that's yeah. what it'll be worth per, per year uh, i wasn't exactly you know overwhelmed by uh by that generosity yeah. but I, <laughs> there you go you can't please everybody there's a lot of talk about leveling up just now which i actually think came in. Did that come in as a Boris measure, maybe? But explain yeah. to us what levelling up is and what the Chancellor's done to boost his sort of overall vision for that. Yeah, so basically the, the levelling up is, you know, to put in broad strokes, is the reinvestment within the UK. So it's trying to create more jobs, create greater infrastructure, create you know, more prosperity within the UK. So, you know, th- that's really the the, the broad stroke side of things. Some of the things he said is there's going to be £500 million invested over the next two years to innovation centres to help us become an AI powerhouse, whatever that means. Businesses that are doing research and development will then have greater tax breaks. He's also cutting the rate of loss-making companies are taxed from 25% to 19%. Um, there's also a 75% discount on business rates. Uh, the tax paid on non-domestic properties are up to £110,000 for firms in retail, hospitality and leisure. So it, it's, it's to try and kind of invigorate these industries yeah. and then drive business, drive job creation because you know, the bottom line is if there's job creation, then there's more wages being paid and there's then more tax being paid. So one way or another, they're they're given these benefits just to get it back through the back door effectively through additional yeah. taxation. So, yeah. so no, no, it's um yeah, I'm for the companies that are involved, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, I'm just going to give you a, a sort of example where I am right now in Glasgow. I think everybody knows that the people make Glasgow building. You know, it's, it's been emblazoned across what was the old college building for years and years and years. And that's about to be knocked down finally. And going in there, you were talking about AI powerhouses. They refer to it here as a sort of technical hub. But there's going to be a couple of massive buildings where they're putting together all these AI-looking companies in a bid to uh, have them all in the same space and, and hopefully sort of generate more business simply by being together in this in this hub, as they call it. So I guess that's possibly one of the, the areas um, uh, where the uh, that money is going. We mentioned back-to-work thoughts, I, I think, and how they've taken a, a lot of flack. So we'll move on from that because we, we kind of covered that. But anything else in there worth mentioning, Andrew? There doesn't seem to be a, a lot in this one for helping at home buyers, for instance. Does that mean take us through any other other points that are worth highlighting? 
Yeah, there, there wasn't a huge amount for, for home buyers at all. There was word of the help to buy ISA coming back. So help to buy ISA was basically a a savings plan that you could invest uh, or save money into the government would give you a 25% top up. So if you paid in £100, you know, it turned into £125 that you could then use to help put down a, a, as a deposit for a, your first property. Right. And yeah, so so that hasn't been brought back in. So it's, it's difficult at the moment. And I think that's probably somewhere that whichever government gets into play next is probably going to look to, to to rectify to make it a little bit easier to make it because it's still expensive to buy property you know house prices are still kind of high interest rates are still high and probably will be for the foreseeable future there's no indications that we're going to see significant rate drops because i think the the last kind of 15 years have been abnormal for interest rates mm. i think we should expect this to be the new norm because this is what it was like before the financial crisis in 2008. So, you know, I, I wouldn't expect there to be any major rate cuts anytime soon. Not, not that I'm, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not addressing your professionalism, but when you say this is what it was like in 2008, as I remember, it was like this in terms of the interest rate, but I think it, that interest rate was more affordable for your average person as opposed to it being, you know, sky high and people really struggling. Well, you know, the the thing is, you've got to look at what the average wages for somebody back then, the average house price back then, yeah, the average wage now and the average house price and that. And you know, let's be honest. To you know, before two thousand and eight, you know, you could get a mortgage very very easily. Mm. You could walk into a. a <laughs> a high street lender, and you could borrow one hundred twenty-five percent of the value of the property. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. My recollection know, of this was that they were almost out with sandwich boys in the street saying, "Come and come and take a mortgage with us. Bring your yeah. friends." You know, yeah, it was that way around rather than uh, than trying to desperately get one. Oh no, I I remember. You know, when when I first bought a property a, a long time ago, you know, we were having issues with rental property, and then we decided, oh well, we'll go and see about buying a property. Me and my now wife, we walked into a, a solicitors in Aberdeen who've got a mortgage advisor attached to them, and the first question was, what deposit have you got to put down? And I was like, well, I don't. So I was like, ah, yeah, no problem at all. Now, do you need furniture? Do you need stuff for your flat will you need extra so we ended up getting a mortgage of 108 percent of the 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 value of the property that we bought fortunately though within 18 months of owning that property the value of the property had pretty much doubled because the house market went through the roof Mm. so we were fortunate that we were never really in a negative equity position but you know that was how it was back then you know and you hear stories, okay, it's America, it's not here, where you can get a mortgage without actually proving any income and uh, not having a job. They, they <laughs> call them ninja mortgages, so uh. no, no assets, income or job. It's like, goodness, it's like, it's, it was crazy. Is it, any, is it any wonder that everything... <laughs> 
really. Yeah. All, all you need to do is watch watch the film The Big Short, and that'll tell you everything yeah. you need to know about the house in crisis back then. Due We're diligence, a different place, due, due diligence is not something that really enters into everyday conversation, is it? No, not uh, my, my example of, of getting a mortgage back then, when I was about, what, I don't know, 21, maybe, something like that, I went to buy, I woke up one morning in the rental property I was in, and I thought, no, I've just had enough. And I phoned my mum and dad, who were 100 miles away in Inverness, and said, I'm, I'm going to go and have a look at flats to buy one today. And they very quickly got in their car to prevent me from doing something stupid. But I, I went, again, to a mortgage advisor who was attached to a solicitor's, and they did a deal for me where there was a lender at the time who was offering something like, you know, £5,000 back to buy furniture if it was your, your first property. And what they did was they said, well, look, he doesn't have a deposit, but if you give this the 5,000, <laughs> he doesn't need furniture, so we'll put that back in as the deposit. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Those, and, and those the days are gone now. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just, we're looking back on them fondly. It's yes. a diversion, sorry. So the following day's newspapers, after the autumn statements, uh, they always revert to type political allegiances when assessing a budget. Can you give us an independent view on, on whether you think this was bold or inventive or too little, too late? I, a giveaway ahead of an election to their core, you know, it didn't amount to much really. Well, what's your your few word assessment of this statement? Yeah, I I think it was a positive budget. I think the government are still in quite a difficult position. There's still big bills to pay, so I don't think they can be overly generous with regards to tax cuts that side of things. So, you know, I I think they did the best that they could with the tools that they had is, is probably the best way to describe it in a more buoyant situation you know less borrowing etc for the government they may be in a stronger position to do something but you know i think yeah they, they did the best with what they've got and even if they go with sometime in the summer of 2024 for a general election let's say as is now being floated he'll still have another chance to return from his uh, alternate dimension dressed like Willy Wonka with a briefcase full of giveaways and fantastic promises and a bid to retain voters and, and sort of lure new ones won't he yeah and and, and this is it you, you'll start hearing all the promises and that side of things um, when it comes to you know keeping uh, keeping the Tories in power you know we'll wait and see you know the great thing about democracy is the general public decide so it depends on who makes the best case will depend on who gets the most votes you know the, the thing with a lot of promises they don't always come to fruition so you know you've got to take everything with a little bit of pinch of salt we'll, we'll wait and see I would say the economy is definitely in a stronger position than it was, let's say, two years ago, for example. So, you know, I think we're we're in a better place than we were. But, you know, as I said, there's still a long way to go for us to be kind of really a more stable economy going forward. Do you think this was this particular statement, this autumn statement, do you think it was all largely as expected or is he going out in the limb anywhere? You said it was positive, but is he going out and, and, and you know, standing on the precipice a little bit? No, not at all. You know, I, I, I don't think there was anything in there that's groundbreaking. You know, the, the only thing I think that probably came as quite of a shock and we haven't really touched on it, but was the increase to the state pension. You know, that was eight and a half percent increase. So, you know, now the state pension is going to be going up to eleven and a half thousand pounds. 
which you know was probably a, a larger than expected rise. Other than that, you know, it, it's there's not there's nothing groundbreaking. I I was kind of half expecting a significant change to inheritance tax, and that had been you know leaked to the press, but it got very negative backlash because it's really only going to benefit the rich, as in people who have assets of more than a million pounds are going to benefit from that. And that was then seen to be not the average person in the street. It would have been quite nice to see further reforms to uh, how care home planning was assessed, because I personally think that's brutal, the way that that's assessed and how that can erode assets very, very quickly. But, you know, I, I'm sure there will be these things will be brought in uh, at some point in time in the future. But, yeah, there was nothing groundbreaking in, in, in this budget at all. Okay. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if that's how you prefer things. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in a moment. Give it to you after this. This first one is from Ian in Montrose. Ian says, hi, Phil. I've taken financial advice on this, but I thought there's no harm in taking a second broad terms expert opinion without talking actual numbers. I'm coming up for my pensionable years and have quite a bit saved. My pension provider has always operated a model of offering a lump sum and then less per month or more per month with no lump sum. I'm assuming if I don't actually need the money, uh, my best course of action is to reject the lump sum and leave the entire whack in there as long as possible. But the idea of a flashy sports car and a luxury foreign holiday are drawing me in. What's your advice? Uh, yeah, the, um, uh, thanks Ian for for writing in. Um, this is a this is a really interesting one because it and and it's is going to be suitably vague, but bear with me. It really depends on the type of pension that you have. There's two types of pensions out there: DB defined benefit, DC defined contribution. So it sounds like it is a a, a DB type pension, as in it offers a guaranteed tax free lump sum and a indexed income for the rest of your days you know the, the issue with at retirement advice is you, you have to make that decision at that point in time if it's that type of pension as in when you come to take your benefits if you don't take your lump sum at that point in time through a db scheme that's it you can't take it at a later date so it, it's really around assessing your needs. And this is kind of part of the process that we do with clients. There's a future or there's a podcast that we're going to be doing that goes into this in a lot more detail. So make sure you tune into that one, Ian. But, you know, we go through what a client's requirements are. You know, are they going to need that lump sum? Is it going to be useful for them? Or is it going to be better for them to have potentially an index linked, a higher index linked taxable income for the rest of their days so it sounds really vague unfortunately but there is no right or wrong answer it really depends on your circumstances and having a finance professional like ourselves be involved assess your circumstances and really be able to give you good solid advice on what we think would be the best option is really important at that point in time Okay, so the, the the real answer is we we require more info to sort of dig down into it for you to give us give you our best assessment in uh, in your interests. Next up, here's one from Elsa who asks, "Hi Phil, I, I hate to be that person, but what's the latest of the property market and mortgage availability?" 
Yeah. So, you know, property market is still still strong. You know, property are still selling. Well, I would say the right property is selling very quickly. We're seeing very, very quick turnarounds in, in, in some properties. Mortgage availability is still good. You know, I would always say you have to have a deposit. You have to have good credit. If you tick all those boxes, mortgage providers are, will, will love you. But, you know, we are starting to see interest rates coming down ever so slightly. I think we, you know, the the mortgage rates are a really good indication on what we think is going to happen over the next or what they think is going to happen over the next two to three years. So when interest rates were going up uh, over the last 18 months, we saw quite high interest rates for a period of time because the mortgage lenders really weren't sure about where 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 are we going to end? How are we going to get inflation under control? What do we need to get to 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 bring that down to the target of two percent? So you know we're starting to see a leveling off now of interest rate rises, and we're starting to see that reflected in mortgage rates. We're seeing some rates come down because they don't expect interest rates to go up too much further, if any at all. So, you know, it, it it's still a strong market. As long as you tick all the right boxes, have good credit, have a deposit, the mortgages are affordable, there is still plenty of availability there. You know, mortgage providers want to lend you money as long as you're the right person. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now. Uh, we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thanks for joining us for episode 166 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. And thanks to Andrew for standing in on this occasion. Andrew's also back next episode when we're looking uh, talking through uh, an introduction to retirement planning. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of Monetary Matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer things. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And that way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. 